Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Last Friday, backers of the Clean Missouri Constitutional Amendment were in court. The amendment won overwhelming approval from Missouri voters two years ago. At that time, voters agreed to limit the gifts that lawmakers could accept from lobbyists, to open government records to public scrutiny, and to change how Missouri's legislative districts are drawn. Well, that was two years ago. So why was Clean Missouri's campaign manager back in court just last week? Well, voters may have decided how they felt about Clean Missouri in 2018, But their vote did not actually decide the fate of Clean Missouri. You can blame the state legislature for that. A repeal of some key parts of the amendment is slated for ballots this fall. And so Clean Missouri backers were in court challenging what they said was dishonest language in the legislator's ballot description of the proposed repeal. That repeal will be on ballots as Amendment 3. And joining me today to talk about the ongoing battle over Clean Missouri is Sean Sonker Nicholson. He was previously campaign director of the Clean Missouri campaign, and now he's campaign director of No on Amendment 3. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Sarah. So your Clean Missouri campaign got 62 percent of the vote back in 2018. On election night, did you think, you know what, I'm going to be spending the next two years of my life continuing to fight over this? (laughs) Yes, I did. Um, You saw it coming. We knew. Yeah, so we saw reports even before polls opened in November 18 that some lobbyists and some politicians were already they'd seen the polls they knew that we were going to win um so my two reactions on election night were we're going to win big and i was impressed with the the scale of the win we won in every single state senate district across the state Uh, but we knew from those pre-election reports that the lobbyists and politicians were already scheming to undo what voters were about to do Um, they were already scheming to put put some sort of new gerrymandering plan together Uh, we fought we defeated that in 2019 but In 2020, um, it got forced through. Uh, It is now Amendment 3, um, and that's what we are going to be voting on in November, Um, a brand new redistricting plan that's unlike anything Missouri has ever seen. So, yeah, I want to talk to you about some of the details here, and there are a lot of details on this. So for people who don't pay as close attention to Missouri politics, I hope they'll bear with us on this. But this would not just return us to the status quo before the 2018 vote. This is something that would make some changes even to how Missouri had done things before all that. What are some of the key ways this would be different than what was in place and how what's been approved by voters? That's right, Sarah. The Amendment 3 vote often gets framed or discussed as, oh, this is just a repeal of, of 2018, or, or this is a repeal of Clean Missouri. Um, that is part of what the politicians are proposing in Amendment 3. They want to roll back all the good things that were approved in a bipartisan mandate in the last election. But what they want to do is a, a new process, a new set of rules that is unlike Missouri has seen in the past. Um, There are some parts of Amendment 3 that are similar in the process to what we had back in 2011 or or 2001. But when it it comes to the rules on who counts, on what defines a fair map or a fair plan, those are unlike anything Missouri has ever seen and in some very key ways, unlike anything else in the country. So let's talk about this question of who counts, because this seems to be a big flashpoint for people on this. Previously, under Clean Missouri and under the rules that had long been on the books, um, these these districts were drawn using the total population found in the census. That includes kids. It includes immigrants who don't yet have the right to vote. It includes people on parole. This would change that, and it would change it to registered voters. This is called one person, one vote. Why is that a big deal from your point of view? 
Yeah, so right now, Missouri is like every other state in America. We count everyone in the census, and then we divide the total population, all 6.1 or 6 point whatever million of us um, will be counted in the census. That's what we use to draw our legislative maps every 10 years when new maps are drawn. Missouri has counted everyone since at least 1875. That's been the standard since our state constitution of 1875. Uh, but there's been a movement afoot for the last few years from some of these national gerrymandering masterminds. Uh, Missouri is first up on their list. They are trying to make Missouri the first state to draw maps based on the number of eligible voters, not the total population. That sounds good for two seconds, perhaps. But when you think about what that means, that means that we would be drawing maps based on four and a half million Missourians who happen to be 18 and up, um, rather than everybody who's here. So that means in my household, half of us wouldn't count in our state legislative maps uh, because I got two kids um, under 18, one of whom will vote in these maps, but he wouldn't count in in new maps if they're drawn based on an eligible voter standard. Do you think that would lead to a big change in um, you know what areas of the state end up having political power? It would be a pretty profound change in who matters and which communities matter and which communities matter more. How so? Um, so right now, so if you look at the folks who aren't eligible to vote in Missouri, about 2% of Missouri's population are non-citizen immigrants, regardless of status, it's about 2% of our overall population. But 23% of Missourians are 17 and under. And if you cut out all of the kids from the maps, um, not only does that have a huge impact on communities where there are a lot of families with kids, um, but it has a disproportionate impact on communities of color because black Missourians are relatively younger than white Missourians, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's it's discriminatory and it would have a huge impact on um, which communities are fully represented and which communities are undercounted. So um, like in the St. Louis region, for instance, um, it's 71,000 St. Louis city residents who would just be cut out of the maps. Hmm. Uh, and then it would be huge chunks of suburban communities like O'Fallon and St. Charles and Wentzville and Florissant and Ferguson, where there are just a lot of kids, um, especially a lot of kids as a rel- as a percentage of their overall population. So um, it would be profound. Um, and it's, it's a really big deal. Um, and so that's why we're talking about it so much as the campaign. So I do want to note that some Republicans who are backers of Amendment 3 have disputed that this is a sea change. But I did do a little looking into this. And, and I found plenty of experts who are saying this would be a change from how Missouri has done things since 1875. I do want to play an exchange between Democrat Tracy McCreary and Republican Dan Hegeman. He was a sponsor of the repeal. And they discussed this issue. Um, and this audio comes from a House committee hearing that happened just in April. So anyway, one of my questions is, and all the other states do it based on total population. So why are we wanting to do something different about, you know, saying it's no longer based on total population? And again, I think I don't think it has been. I think it's been based on the citizenship of the state of Missouri. Well, that's not what the that's not what the data shows. So why do we want Missouri, the show me state, to be doing something that's not being done in any other state where we we want to move to this system on line 48? It says right in your legislation on the basis of one person, one vote. Why would you want to change to a system like that here in the state of Missouri? Because I think the citizens of the state of Missouri should be the ones counted and, and taken into consideration as we look at this reapportionment process. And that is Representative Dan Hegeman talking to Representative Tracy McCreary. Sean, you mentioned immigrants are only 2% of the state's total population. What do you think is really going on here? This can't just be about that. 
Yeah, so I think this is one piece of a sophisticated gerrymandering plan where the ultimate goal is rigging the math and rigging the rules so that maps in the future can be drawn in back rooms to benefit the politicians who are preferred or desired by the by the insiders in those back rooms. So this is about changing the rules um, and, and, and rigging the underlying math um, so that... Um, so that voters don't have a fair shake in, in selecting who represents them in, in Jefferson City. Um, it's really problematic and it's really troubling that uh, politicians would be not only going to these lengths to undo the will of the voters, but then to proactively be putting forward a, forward a plan that, um, that takes away our representation in, in the Capitol. We're talking today to Sean Sonker Nicholson. Um, he is the campaign director for No on Amendment 3, which is the repeal of Clean Missouri that's going to be on the ballot this fall. Um, and as he says, it doesn't just take it back to the status quo before Clean Missouri was approved by voters two years ago. It also has some new changes. We do want to note there is no campaign spokesman that is in favor of Amendment 3. There is a committee. It's called Fair Missouri. And there's some lawyers who've been involved with doing things through that committee, but they don't really have a counterpart to Sean that we could invite to the show. But the legislature did debate this back in April and in May. Um, And when it happened in May, Jason Rosenbaum of St. Louis Public Radio was there. And he captured this audio. And this is of State Representative Dean Plocker, who's a Republican from town and country. And he explained why a repeal of Clean Missouri, which uh, he refers to as Amendment 1, just to make things even more complicated, he explained why he thinks this repeal is essential. And along with my colleagues, I've done my best to express my firm belief that all of Missouri's communities matter, that our communities that we have sworn an oath to protect should be kept as best as possible together during the redistricting process. We've talked about what the elements of redistricting are under Amendment 1 and why it is called clean. It's called clean because it will wipe clean the form of the community-based districted democratic representation we have. Amendment 1 really redefines how our communities are placed in the legislative districts. It does so by prioritizing out-of-state billionaires' interest and prioritizes that above our citizens of Missouri. I believe this is wrong, and Missourians should have a choice. And that is State Representative Dean Plocker, a Republican from town and country. So, Sean, what you are pushing here, what you have pushed in clean Missouri, is more competitive districts. But doesn't Representative Plocker have a point here that those are likely to be even more gerrymandered districts? You're going to have to draw some districts that are less compact in order to get them to be more competitive. No, um... So the rules that voters approved say that the overall plan, the overall, if you look at the whole state, that the outcome of that overall plan needs to be fair and there need to be more competitive districts than there are now. Um, Even right now, there hasn't been very much competition at all in our state representative and state senate districts. Uh, We all do better when there's competition, when politicians are competing for our votes. Um, And it's not a choice between do we have super compact maps or do we have fair maps? It's a question of do we have fair maps or do we have competitive or do we have fair maps that also have compact districts? And compact districts are already the law of the land now. So nothing about that has changed. What voters said is, yes, we should keep our communities together. Um, Yes, we should have um, uh, compact maps, but they also need to be fair and the outcome needs to make sure that no party 
has an unfair advantage and that we have as much competition as possible. Isn't there also a concern, though, that this could also lead to the dilution of black political power, that these maps, the way that they're drawn, um, where they're not competitive, that this has allowed um, many black politicians to represent places like the city of St. Louis, where they have a, a strong majority of voters, as opposed to spreading it out where you're cutting some suburbs in. You might get a more competitive district, but that's a much harder district for um, a black representative from St. Louis to win. So that's a good question, and there's been a lot of misinformation on this point. In the voter-approved rules that are in the Constitution now, the very first criteria that has to be met before any other are that the voting power of community color, of communities of color has to be protected. So that comes first, um, and that takes precedent over any sort of overall partisan fairness or other criteria that have to be met. And what's ironic about all of this is that what Amendment 3 does is it weakens the leading or the, the country leading rules that are in our constitution now uh, by instead of making the Voting Rights Act the floor, which is the case right now, the Voting Rights Act rules are the floor and there are protections beyond that in our state constitution to make sure that communities of color are not broken up to achieve other kinds of partisan or political ends. They weaken the current standard and make the Voting Rights Act the ceiling, um, which is really problematic and important when the Voting Rights Act is getting attacked in the courts. Um, it's getting weakened and attacked in Congress. So um, there has been a ton of misinformation from um, folks who are uh, who are trying to protect um, a broken system, and now folks who are trying to put a system beyond anything Missouri's ever seen into our Constitution. But um, I will note that um, uh, Clean Missouri, the Clean Missouri Amendment, was endorsed by everyone from uh, the NAACP to the Organization for Black Struggle. Um, and every anti-gerrymandering organization in the country. And Amendment 3, what the politicians have been put forward, um, is opposed by an even larger coalition than what passed Clean Missouri in 2018. Hmm. You've also said that Amendment 3 would create new barriers to challenging um, a badly drawn district in court. And this is, again, if this repeal goes through, that voters are being asked to approve in November, that it would put those barriers in place. Well, what kind of barriers are you talking about there? Yeah. That's a great question. This is actually where I think um, the sponsors and the and the politicians behind Amendment 3 got too cute by half. So they try to rig the process so that it's more secretive, more partisan than it's ever been. They rig the rules for who counts and the math that determines whether or not a map is fair. And then on the tail end, they try to create new limits on who could even bring a lawsuit saying that this map is unfair. And then they want to tr try to tie the hands of judges from being able to throw out an unfair map. And so what Amendment 3 does is it does two things to take away our rights to fair maps. It, one says, if you're in an overpacked district, we're going to make it as hard, um, nearly impossible to bring a, a lawsuit. So if you're in a district where you and other folks, who, other folks who vote like you get overly unnaturally packed into a small area, you would have no standing to sue. And then they want to tell judges, hey, even if you find that a map is unconstitutional, even if you find that a map is illegal, we are not going to let you throw the whole thing out and start over, uh, which is something that happened in Missouri nine years ago. It's something that happens around the country when politicians and lobbyists get too cute. Um, the judges, we need to have some checks and balances for the whole thing to get thrown out and for the whole process to start over so the outcome is fair. So even though it does make it harder to sue under state law, isn't there always a good argument that you could go to federal court with this, that these kind of lawsuits would be allowed there? Uh, you've got the Equal Protection Clause. So I wish that that were the case. Uh, but one of the things that the Supreme Court decided a couple years ago 
is that federal courts were going to stay out of gerrymandering cases as much as they can. Mm -hmm. So for sure, you could bring a Voting Rights Act case, but that is the beginning and the end of it. Um, One fun fact is that both Justice John Roberts and Justice Elena Kagan pointed to Missouri in their opinions in the Supreme Court case a couple years ago. Really? Justice Roberts said, hey, look at Missouri. Here you've got a bipartisan coalition that went to the ballot and passed some redistricting reforms. This is the model for how we should be addressing gerrymandering. And then in her dissent, Elena Kagan said, yeah, look at Missouri. The the day after this thing passed, politicians were already trying to uh, roll it back. Kagan was arguing, of course, the federal courts should be able to provide some guardrails to protect against extreme gerrymandering. Uh, But the majority and what Justice Roberts wrote was, hey, we're going to leave this to the states. Um, And the good news for us in Missouri is that we actually have had bipartisan work for years now trying to have a fair, more equitable system. Okay, so you're saying the federal courts have made clear they don't want to hear these cases. And and how fascinating that they even used your campaign as one of the reasons for that. They said, hey, people can do this at the ballot box. I guess your answer would be, we did this at the ballot box. Here we are. Exactly. Um, And I think one thing that we haven't really talked about yet is that the politicians behind Amendment 3 know that they can't run on the details of their proposal. And so they are going to try and trick voters with two non-substantive changes to other parts of the law or the other parts of the Constitution in the hope that they can dupe voters. Those two parts are a $5 change to lobbyist gift limits and a $100 change to state Senate candidate contribution limits. So these are that sort is of the, the sum total of everything that's not about redistricting. That is what they are hoping people go, oh, I like contribution limits, but even though they're only changing things by $100 and I like lobbyist gift limits, they're only changing it by $5. So I think they know they can't run on their actual plan. And so they're hoping that these other two pieces can be a smokescreen to get it passed. So that's kind of the shiny little thing being dangled in front of us. Do you think it's important to spend less money on lobbying? For $5 less, we could buy into all this other stuff, too. That seems like a real danger that people could fall for that. Yeah, I think what we are talking about is like, that is on us as the campaign to make sure that people understand that it's only a $5 change. Um, no one thinks that that is a substantive change. And if it was so darn important, the legislator, legislature could have done that last year. They could have done it this year. They could do it today. Um, there's nothing stopping them from saying, hey, we're going to limit ourselves by five more dollars. Um, but they have this is what they're hoping that they can trick voters with. Hmm. I want to go back to one of the details of this, and this is so complicated, talking about how these legislative districts would be drawn. But there's been all this talk about this demographer that Clean Missouri calls to be hired. But if there's deadlocks, there's certain things in place, which committees would have things. Your campaign has focused on how House and Senate committees would expand under the amendment. You've said it would empower politically connected insiders if this Amendment 3 goes through. But Clean Missouri's system has smaller House and Senate committees, and they could override the demographer's map with even fewer people. Are you worried that Clean Missouri could empower these politically connected committees even more than Amendment 3 could do? No. So I think the what enabled the Clean Missouri plan to get so much support, to get support from Republicans and independents uh, and Democrats, was that it added independence and fairness to the process, and it's a process that has checks and balances. So under the voter-approved rules, The demographer goes first, and the demographer turns over all the data that's used to make draft plans. And then the commissions use all that data, and they can make changes to those drafts. But the great thing about 
what voters passed is that the rules that protect communities of color, that ensure that the overall plan is fair, that encourage competitiveness, that require compact, contiguous districts, those rules apply to the drafts that the demographer puts forward. Those apply to any changes that the commission makes. And that the fact that we have all the data that's used for the maps and that there's clear rules to protect voters, that's how we know, that's how we have confidence that everyone's going to get a fair shake in the end. Hmm. Well, Sean, you've done a great job of walking us through these details. In the last minute we have here today, I did want to mention part of the reason we wanted to have you on is that you were in court on Friday and you guys were arguing over the ballot language of Amendment 3. What's the argument uh, that's at stake there? Yeah, so it's fundamentally about the trickery that I mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, The politicians wrote their own ballot summary. Uh, They really have overstepped. They have some objective falsehoods in what they wanted to appear on the ballot. And so what we went to court to say was, hey, this ballot summary, the thing that actually appears on the ballot, has to be an honest and accurate reflection of what is in the the fine print. Um, And so we are optimistic about how uh, that court ruling will will come down. It could come down here in the next couple of days. Um, So it is... We, do, we definitely feel good about our chances of making sure that voters have an informed choice when they walk into the ballot box or the in the polling booth in November. And I know these court hearings sometimes can drag on for years, but that can't happen in this case. How fast, uh, by when does this have to be sorted out of what's going to be on that November ballot? Yeah, so the trial court and the appeals court process have got to be wrapped up by early September. Um Ballots get printed right after Labor Day to go out to military voters, to go out to everyone who's voting early in absentee. So um, it's got to get resolved one way or the other by early September so that everything can get printed. Well, we're going to wait for a speedy resolution to this very long multi-year fight. So, uh, Sean Sonker Nicholson, thank you so much for joining us today to walk us through the campaign uh, to say no on Amendment 3. Thanks so much, Sarah. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.